0: an in-house q, q a movement situation rolling i'm gonna say
1: yes dude it's gonna be back man I missed you guys. hello everybody welcome to this is a sports podcast joseph nasser a dapper armand Tendravi, yeah and harrison leo is back with us from china happy to have a, you back i don't get china. a dapper you're wearing a sweatshirt no, that I've seen on. you wear that's, like five um, times. Yeah, that's I fair. mean, you pull it off nicely. That's but fair. <laughs> Dapper, yeah. I don't know if it deserves that um, distinction. Um, I'm
0: back in the USA. <laughs> it's good to be back, man. It's real good to be back.
1: It's, it's good to have you back. Yeah. Thanks. We've done a lot of NFL content in our past uh, two shows, two yeah. episodes, but I, I did feel a little bit of a void. The first pod we did, it was me, Armand, and Tony. The second one, Evan was in it with us, but... You bring an element to the program that I really appreciate. So I think what we want to do here, out here is is kind of have you you run the offense, run the show in terms of whether you have takeaways, questions. Uh, let's have it a little uh, bit free-flowing. thought um, you'd never ask. Yeah, so, I mean, well, why, why don't let's, you go at it? What, what do you start, want to talk about here? Let's
0: start with here? the most – like, let's go in, in chronology of, like, the most, the most important thing that's going to happen pretty soon, I would say, is the college football Like, it's LSU-Clemson, right? Yeah. Um, First of all, Trevor Lawrence, can can we put into perspective, one of you guys, like, how good is this guy as a prospect? Because I think a lot of people are starting to – like, the hype is starting to build back again after a slow start because he threw, like, a couple picks in the season opener. But the hype is starting to build back again. This guy's like, the best quarterback prospect in, like, since, like, Andrew Luck or something. Or is he better than that? I don't know.
1: I mean, Andrew Luck never had this degree of winning – um in terms of i mean as a freshman Trevor Lawrence was uh national yeah, champion, champion and he has a chance to do just that again and i i think this is perhaps going to be in the similar way to Luka Doncic was uh, with the NBA and the Euroleague uh, perhaps the most accomplished college quarterback entering the NFL presuming let's say they win another cha- national championship or um I mean, even if they lose, they're going to be in the favorites to make the college football playoff next year. Um, and the the thing I like about him is that the poise, really, at a young yeah. age. I mean, he he looked like a junior or senior last year, yeah. In that Alabama game, and, and now he looks like a like a pro, basically. Exactly, and, and it's an interesting conversation because I don't think he would sit out next year, but you know, he's certainly taking a hefty insurance policy because he's yeah. going to be the the number one guy and yeah so to, like he, he he's it he, he's it but i wouldn't overlook what joe burrow has been doing because absurd he, 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 i don't think he's really had a bad game all season the guy is accurate as hell what he did uh, against oklahoma he put on a clinic eight seven passing touchdowns so first or seven, yeah seven passing touchdowns one rushing what? touchdown oh. it, it's, it's he said an- he would even. he i think after the game too he's like it wasn't my best game He's like, it wasn't that
0: sharp. I was like, what are you talking about? Some of the throws that he was making to, uh, I think it was Justin Jefferson had four in the first yeah, half, Yeah, four, right? yeah. Some, th- some of the connections they had were like, it was just absurd. Like, he, w- he would throw his guy open before the route breaks. Jefferson is like spinning around and like catching it over his shoulder, but it's in like perfect position where, yeah, and I mean, people like to shit on that defense a lot, and yeah, Oklahoma got lost, like multiple times and like they i mean it was it was over within minutes but on a couple of these throws specifically like they were well covered
1: pro football focus uh, i follow them twitter things like that um listen to some of their uh, audio content joe burrow they in terms of completing tight window throws he's like top of the line of college prospects Even, even surpassing records that kyler had broken in their database uh last year like he he is A-1 in terms of being able to put the ball where it needs to be, and nothing beats coverage like a perfectly placed ball. Now you can say, oh, he's an older prospect. Is he going to regress back to the mean? Because he was the definition of an average quarterback last year, and his rise is pretty meteoric. Um, But I think,
0: like, you know, one counter to that you can make if you're a team. I mean, he's going to get drafted, number one. Yep. But, like, if if you're somebody who's poking holes in his thing and somebody else wanted to, like, come in and, like, you know, argue with it for the sake of argument, he was a top recruit coming out of high school, though. Yeah, he was. You know, he, like, he, he – so he got buried on the bench behind uh, Haskins, transfers mediocre, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if you're talking about the mean of his playing career, you have to talk about high school, too, because that's just how football works, right? And so if you're talking about regressing in the mean, I mean, those those – that year where he was completely average is actually more abnormal – not to what he's doing now, but to just being a good player in general, right.
1: It's interesting with rankings and how they correlate to someone's high school rankings yeah. and how it correlates to someone's progression or regression in their career. And I think um if someone's a highly ranked prospect and doesn't perform, it's mostly because of injury or athletically, yeah. they, they just couldn't cut it at the next level. Um, and it does say something when someone's a highly ranked prospect, they dip for whatever reason, but they're able to bounce back where they were supposed to be yeah. in the first place. And so I, mean, I think maybe, that's an attribute for Joe Burrow. Yeah, indeed. and it
0: might even be a testament to like just the fact that a lot of these things are more system-based than anybody exactly. thinks. Like maybe these guys who absolutely suck in college after being like like a five-star recruit out of high school – Maybe it really is just, like, they're just not in the right place at the right time. Or they don't have a coach that, you know, uh, is going to put them in the right situation to maximize their potential forever. And like, maybe Joe Burrow is just, like, the perfect, um, um, like, testament to that. That being said, if he goes to the pros, and he, I mean, he's going to go to the worst team in the league. You know, that's just how the draft works. Like, are, is it, are you guys at all worried that, like, could this go the wrong way? Where it's well, like,
1: we've seen it. Um in terms of a guy who had transcendent production at the college level, and that's Baker Mayfield, and even the Baker Mayfields over the world can't uplift a franchise like the Browns, which has been dis- the Browns, which has been dysfunctional for 20 years, and the Bengals are very much in that reign. I-, I do have a little bit of confidence in, in them. I-, I guess Zach Taylor doesn't inspire much confidence, but he he he's can we say that he's a better coach than Freddie Kitchens, Freddie Soups? I guess maybe not. There's not much of a track record to go off of, but. I like the situation that Joe Burrow is going into, provided they can upgrade that offensive line. And I think that's going to be a priority for them. Um, The weapons, I mean, provided they get AJ Green back, even if they don't, they've got Tyler Boyd, they've got John Ross, they've got um, uh, Auden Tate, and they're going to have an opportunity in this draft, one of the deepest receiver classes probably since 2014. um, and some guys have gone back to school, and it's still predicted to be pretty deep. Yeah. Um, they're going to have an opportunity to set this guy up nicely with guys who can grow alongside him. And I just buy into Joe Burrow: the size, the accuracy, the athleticism, uh, the athleticism. He's got adequate ar- arm strength, and he he's just a guy who looks unfazed out there. And it reminds me
0: a little bit of like a Tony Romo, but okay. like, with like maybe even a little more accurate. Okay. As a, just as a prospect. Uh, i I like that comp that shot like
1: whenever what he's doing in college and we've heard this beaten into the ground the tom brady analogy but just the way his command of the pocket he's doing what tom brady has done in the nfl for let's say 15 20 years i'm talking peak tom brady he's doing that at the college level in terms of his ability to anticipate pressure move subtle movement in the pocket and then those dagger throws like he will just unleash them so I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but I do see his ceiling as being a top five-ish quarterback. I, I guess mobility is so vital in the modern game, but I, I think he can he get to a top. Though. I'm talking yeah, you're, you're right. you are talking I, about like a leaf. I'm talking attacker. about like Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Carson. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to put Carson Watts there. You yeah, I like Carson Watts, but, you know, he, he's, <laughs> Love Carson. He's, he's you know top five. Armand, to seven anything
0: to add before we
2: move on? I have watched maybe two hours of college football all year. Shame on you! Yeah, I well, have nothing. Shame on you. So I have nothing to add.
1: Okay, fair enough. Let's move on. That's why he likes Mitch Trubisky so much. Because <laughs> you never, we never watched him
0: at UNC. Nobody did. Exactly. I actually did. No, give did me did a break. Did did one really? time.
1: Why? Not,
2: not be- I had a, I had a bet on the game. Oh.
1: Okay. So you just against, need to bet on college football uh, yes. more so you can watch Bears quarterback prospects. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I would gamble on games, I would be all in. But it's, I, I believe that what you do in college portends somewhat to what you're going to do in the pros, and obviously there are, the, there are guys who are successful in college and fail in the pros and vice versa, guys who don't have success in college but for whatever reason they're in the they're perfect monsters, situation in yeah. the pros and they're able to thrive. Um with the mitch trubisky you made a comment mitch trubisky versus baker mayfield and the reason i have more faith in baker than mitch is based on what he did in college because baker was terrific in college mitch started one year was solid i guess for a college prospect but he wasn't necessarily uplifting guys around him let's be honest
0: though very similar football iqs
1: yeah um don't really read a defense very well I have more hope for Baker just based on what he showed in that rookie season. I am not sure, I haven't yeah. quit Baker yet.
0: I think that there is a system in which Baker could be more successful than Mitch. Although I I mean I do agree that like I I've said this all all bear season 2 and we can get off the Mitch thing because we end up here every week and I think people are tired of it. But like I do agree that the Bears have a lot of problems that go outside of Mitch that are more important than Mitch's play has ever been, the positive or negative. I think that the Bears' success last year was never because of Mitch, not really, and I think that their defense, uh, not their defense, um, their their, uh, lack of success success this year has not as much to do with Mitch as people think either. I think it goes both ways. That being said, like, give me a prediction for this game before we move on, though. LSU Clemson.
1: I think, I think Joe Burrow's playing at such a high level right there right now I I really like LSU to win in a a shootout and you know you you think it's gonna be a shootout I I do I like would it like I don't know just for some reason I feel like
0: these like these super hyped finals are always like everybody's a little too tense every you know what I mean like as a player going into it you're just like you're just a little too amped up and it ends up being you know your defense or your offense doesn't get into a good rhythm you know you don't convert a couple third downs all of a sudden you're in just terrible field position for like the entire half or whatever like i don't know i can see it kind of being a little more of a slugfest than people think
1: i think i think it's going to be a shootout or like a one team blows the doors open the other team's trying to get back into it um i mean these are the top of the line you know as good as quarterback play can get in the college football game like this is it right here yeah and That's that's why I'm predicting a shootout. Maybe you know Josh Skinner, college football aficionado, would disagree, but uh, I feel like actually that's an interesting thing to look up. What what the The projected uh, not the line, but the projected uh, points total is. Um, Yeah, I'll try to.
0: It's got to be leaning towards like a high-scoring game. If you just look at these offenses. Dude, that Clemson running back is nuts, too.
1: Uh, ETN? Oh, ETN's a stud. Um, I, I love ETN. He's absurd. And he he was in the, in that game against Ohio State. He he kind of was slow getting out of the gates. And Dobbins was the guy who was Dobbins really... Dobbins was a,
0: f- a, a monster before a, he got hurt.
1: A monster. And then ETN comes out. And then, you know, you look up. And, like, yeah. every time they need a score, he's the guy think for ETN's them. You ETN's
0: a Camara fan? You think that's why he does, like,
1: the... Oh, yeah, 100%. Kamara yeah? Chima- started that turf tape, yeah, yeah. you know, cut up specifically yeah. along the back along of your, the arm. Like he started it. It, and then josh jacobs did it yeah, at josh alabama it, yeah chris carson does it on one arm you so know he kind
0: of plays like kamara a little bit too
1: no that that's my i mean that's your comp for him? so swift i, I think swift uh, from georgia who also declared for the draft you think uh-huh. they're
0: number one out of the uh, running backs
1: so i like taylor the best i like jonathan like taylor, taylor the best big. just because of like I he's like Taylor the worst out you of think that.
0: he's the worst i do i th- i think the way that he plays is just a little more
1: i don't know it's just- what's derrick henry doing right now
0: that's true, but I don't I don't see Taylor as
1: is he as big as Henry? No, he's not. I think he's like six foot six one, two twenty five ish, and I think he's gonna shred the combine. There's rumors okay. this guy runs a four three, squats really? like six hundred pounds. I'm shocked by that. So, I, I don't mean, see
0: that speed from him. Not that not that Henry relies on speed, but like yeah. he's fast enough to like if Henry breaks one, and it seems like he does it every week now, like 60, 70 yards. Like he's fast enough to go. There. Who's
1: your favorite back?
0: I really do like Etn. A okay.
1: Lot. Yeah, I think ETN, I like Etn a lot too. He's a, such a modern too.
0: guy. He's like a dual threat.
1: And contrary to the beliefs of some people on this program, uh, Etn breaks. I think he like highest rate of broken tackles really? per touch per pro football focus. Yeah, he's a playmaker. And that's. That's really indicative of next-level success, yeah. provided you have the requisite athleticism. I think that's kind of what we saw with David Montgomery. He was the perfect <laughs> test case for that, where he broke a lot of tackles, but he's not <laughs> an NFL athlete. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't test very well at the Combine. So, I mean, I, I still have hope for Monty. Do you have any hope for Monty? I do. I, I, I think he's going to be
2: probably fine. Where are you taking Ceiling him in fantasy next year? I'm probably not going to touch him. <laughs> Any, anybody. <laughs> except Anthony Miller, oh.
0: except, except Alan Robinson,
2: maybe. If Anthony Miller drops far enough, I'll I'll take him. But other than that, not gonna
1: not Sheesh. gonna dive in the Bears pool. In the mid in the midst of the Anthony Miller uh, resurgence, he told me he'd take him in the fifth round. So wow. people who are in Armand's yeah. league, Armand's home league, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye hopefully, on that. Uh, hopefully not, but yeah, I mean
2: fifth round you might find a gem there. But usually it's just a bunch of.
0: You're guys, that you your, end
1: up dropping anyway. You're taking
0: your first gamble around like. Well, you take your first gamble at round like two. Well, oh. first
1: Armand's going to trade half of his picks and you know yeah. try to get all of his picks sequenced in the second third round area. Take a bunch yeah. of those guys and then you know maybe he'll gamble around four or five. So yeah, that's that's yeah. a game plan.
0: So what's the what's the projected score total for college football? Yeah,
1: so it looks like it opened at seventy and it's a sixty-nine point five right now. <laughs> um, LSU. Minus six, it's where it's opened. Wow, dead. really? Yeah. Wow. Where it's it stayed. So. Wow. You that that, that, that that's bookie? that's a shootout. I mean, that's yeah. what is what's we'll, the we'll what's the? I mean, I'm trying to do the math in my head. I don't know what the implied total is, so it's that's like too complicated for over, me. But, over 30
0: for you know.
1: Silver. Well, I mean, if you, it's like what 38, 32? I think that's it. 38, like 32. That. So that is that a shootout? I think that's a yeah, shootout.
0: I'd call. I mean, I'd call that an average game for these offenses, but for anybody else, that's it. Freaking
1: shootout! I'm, ta- I'm taking the over, and I'm taking LSU. I don't know if I'm taking LSU with the spread there. Um, I'll but... take the
0: under, and I'll go Clemson. And I'm not just saying that to you. Ooh, like, okay. The money line? Huh?
1: The money
2: line?
0: Yeah, fuck. I, six is outrageous. Like, I mean, I just think, think they're going to win outright. I think they're going to win outright, and I, th- I also think six is outrageous. It, I, I think like I understand the Clemson thing. Like they they hadn't played anybody all year, but then guess what? They played who. I, I think is the best team in the country in Ohio State, and they beat them. Um, And I think that they showed like how good they are when they're going top speed. You know, I think like on both sides of the ball, I think they they edge out LSU a little bit.
1: Who do you guys have in the James Madison North Dakota State game? Oh, North Dakota State all the way. No question. Isn't that Bison Carson Wentz? Yeah, Yeah, powerhouse. Yeah, I just wanted to check on that. All right, should we move on? Yeah. What's your next question, Harry? Okay, my
0: next question is. I don't know if you guys did the. If you did this already, cut me off. But I just want to talk about being in a pa- post-Patriots universe because I feel like this is like one of those things where it's like everybody can talk about it. Um, but it's like a shared traumatic experience, you know? Like, like what was like your as you as a sports fan? Now that this Patriots dynasty is supposedly over, although I know that we all have our own ideas about that. What was what's been like your one memory if you have any as a kid where you were like, "Fuck the Patriots, man."
1: Well, that's easy for me because (laughs) the Patriots beat the Eagles and Donovan McNabb in 2004, and that heroic performance from Terrell Owens and McNabb threw three interceptions. (laughs) You know, in that fourth quarter, they were playing hurry up, except he was going very, very, very slow, and, you know, really were unable to make much of that game. And I also have a unique perspective in that I, I thought two years ago. The Eagles ended the Patriots in that yep. Super Bowl Fifty uh, Two, two thousand seventeen. I-, I thought they were over, and then they win the Super Bowl the next year. So this feels differently. obviously. This does feel
0: different. Can we can, can we all agree on that though?
1: It feels different just because the uncertainty of what's going to happen with Brady next with Brady year. Brady
0: and Belichick. Yeah. Like, so so th- that's interesting too. I want to get you guys your guys' opinion on this too. There's been a lot of talk about the Brady and Belichick. Uh, not feud, but rift that's been growing, right? As far as like where they want their own careers to go, where they want this organization to go, where they, you know, just their, their future seems to be diverging. And there's been a lot of talk about that. Recently, I've been put on to this idea that it's actually a three guy thing. It's like kind of like a love triangle and you don't really know who's in an alliance with who, with with craft, with the craft family and the, and the organization on that level. So like I'm wondering, is do you guys think this is like, Maybe Brady and Belichick are both kind of, like, united and, like, this Rob Kraft guy is fucking old and he doesn't know what he's doing. And, like, they both want to leave? Because I've heard, like, I've heard Bill might not. As soon as Bill knows that his weird mullet son is going to be, like, set on an NFL team, I've heard, like, maybe Bill just wants to retire. I mean, he's not a spring chicken anymore uh, uh, anymore. So, I don't know. Like, it's a really interesting situation that they're in.
2: I think we got to wait for the 30-for-30 30 30 on that because there's definitely I stuff going on behind the happens. scenes, but I don't know who is in line with who. I think that Brady, just personally, I think that Brady's probably most in line with McDaniels. I think that's his guy on wow. the team. And I think that if McDaniels gets his Browns job, which I believe he's still a candidate for. I've heard
0: nobody's interviewing McDaniels anymore. i think, heard the Browns he, got their guy. They just haven't like uh, signed
2: him yet um is fact checking that but if if mcdaniel's left that would really i think hurt brady's chances of staying because that's just from my perspective the guy that he actually really likes and talks to on that team the most and in terms of the end your first question was what was my... Yeah, what was your what was Patriots memory? Your, biggest yeah, hatred. traumatic Patriots memory. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been a Patriots fan for a, quite a while here. I hated them when I was young. Hated. I rooted for the Giants so hard in those two Super Bowls. Um, I rooted against them... No, I've rooted for them probably ever since they played Atlanta. Because I respect Greatness. And that's True. that's greatness right there. You don't respect LeBron. Yeah, I was, I was just saying LeBron. I do, him, but he's you just don't a little like him bit soft person. for me. Yeah, um, I respect him, but... You don't respect I, Aaron I respect Rodgers. Him. I respect him. Don't like him. You don't respect Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I respect him. Don't think he's going to win this Saturday. But <laughs> my biggest, like, FU moment with the Patriots was they played... I mean, again, I think this is all going to come down to who your team is. They played us... Probably two thousand six, two thousand seven, when our defense was kind of at its peak, and we went. Was that when Brady juked Urlacher? That I love the that. was Where oh I was like, god. "F Tom Brady," because he. Juked that might have been two thousand eight. It might have been two thousand eight. That's we, wild. God, we were on a. They needed
0: NFL throwbacks on that game.
2: Oh my god! Me and my family went on a ski trip that weekend, and I forced my dad to drive us from Big Bear home <laughs> to. For 10 a.m. for Bears-Patriots, and I remember when he did that juke, I was like, why the fuck didn't we just stay in Big Bear? Because I was so upset. Like, that was the moment where it was my first sign of, like, oh, the quarterback is the most important position because we have all these playmakers on defense, and it doesn't matter because that guy's just, like, He's out of the best world, player man. on the field, you yeah. know? So, yeah, but I don't hate them. He
0: runs a 10-second 40. Yeah. He's just juking one of the best uh, yeah. defensive players ever out of his shoes yeah you know it's funny i i so i don't have a team obviously i mean i you know grew up in shanghai really so like i didn't really have a geographical affiliation anywhere i mean i lived in michigan before then but like the lions were so bad that my dad didn't watch them um you know we really only watched college football we, we watched a lot of michigan football that was the only football we would watch ever so like being like the nfl spock you know I would I would also gravitate t- towards whoever was good, and my dad would sometimes we we would have the Patriots game on sometimes because Brady went to Michigan, so I also rooted for Brady, and the Pats by extension for a while. You know, I think that like I can remember pretty vividly that like, you know, not that we were all my, my family wasn't all broken up about it, but like during like during the the season that ended with the Tyree helmet catch, everybody was a little like, oh well, that's anticlimactic. Like we thought, you know. These, this this team was going to have literally the perfect season and then they lose in the biggest moment, you know, one of the most iconic moments ever. But I think that, like, it started a turn for me where I was like, like, are we really just going to do this every... It was more from a fan perspective of, like, I just don't want to see the same fucking team every single year. I think that's a lot of the problems that people had with the NBA with the Golden State Warriors, like, over the last, whatever, four years or so.
1: It's really interesting because I think that Diehards like parody, but I think casual friends need that mainstream team to gravitate to and either hate watch or be captivated by. And that's why it seems like ratings struggle, particularly with the t- – I, mean, I think the NFL ratings – I guess there may have been a dip during the Colin Kaepernick situation, which coincided with the 2016 election. So you can explain it away based on that. I think Red Zone has a factor to play. But um, with, with the NBA, there's not really that team that – has that vitriol that reason to watch yeah. and uh, it's cuz it's,
0: it's it's drama like in the sense that you want actors when you're watching exactly. a drama like you want the same actors like you want you want recognizable faces mm-hmm. so if the memphis grizzlies are in the finals like that that's going to be the worst rated finals ever even if it's like an awesome series
2: i'll give you one more thing i I think you hit the nail on the head yos with the with the casual fans and their needing of a team that they recognize me as a selfish bears fan i hate it when i see i'm just a i'm the jealous type and i hate it when i see a new fan base get to have you know that glory so i think that also helped me just root for New England because as long as they win, okay, they their fans are used to it. I've gotten used to them winning. That's weird. It's I've okay. Never that before. But if it's, like, if it's like, now Minnesota gets one and then like, hmm. Seattle gets one, even though oh, they Seattle had one, that's one. probably not a good example. Dallas gets one now. Oh my God. Well, no. Dallas has been dead for... Yeah. I'm just like, now Kansas same. City gets one, Baltimore, all these fan bases and I'm just sitting there like, well shit, look at us, we fucking suck. But... When it's the Patriots winning, all 31 of us fucking suck. So it's fun. Like, <laughs> hey, we all we all kind of are in the same boat. I like being in the same level boat as everybody also, else.
0: I think, like, it puts people at ease, too, when you see the same faces. Also because, like, it, it fits into the narrative. It fits into, like, the history of what's going on. And, like, sports are, in a big way, about bookmarking these different places in the history of, like, you know, a civilization or a country – by what's going on uh in a particular season that year right like a lot of people associate you know uh like something like the the michael jordan bulls with like a certain period of america in which they also have another association too you know what i mean so like when a new team wins or you see a new team make a really deep push into the playoffs a lot of people just aren't sure how to feel about that because there's no attached story to it they, they don't see themselves in that narrative whereas if you look at like the Cubs right the Cubs hadn't won uh in 100 in over 100, over 100 years or 100 years exactly 108. 100, in over 100 years and so all of a sudden you have this like incredible like narrative of like yo like the last time we won this my grandpa was alive or whatever you know great what I mean? grandpa yeah. yeah so you know if using the Memphis thing again if Memphis were to win an NBA championship you'd be like well cool that's it that's like you there's no more discussion to be had there's not enough like uh meat on the bone
1: i think what's different about the nba and the nfl is that let's say tampa bay and tennessee played each other in the super bowl like maybe nfl higher ups they prefer dallas versus new england Mm -hmm. but Everybody well, we want still
0: give me James. Well, it, dude. well
1: I, I think the NFL is so pervasive, and the Super Bowl as an event oh, is yeah. so pervasive, and it's just one game, and all of the advertisers can flock to that one game, where that's going to draw eyeballs, even though Tampa Bay and Tennessee aren't big markets.
0: You're right. It's it's like it's it's culturally more important than something like the NBA Finals is on like different levels. Like it, in the, the NBA Finals, I'm not sure we'll ever get there. It's no. like, you know like the like girlfriends and wives like they it's just a part of your household like everybody has to watch the super bowl mm-hmm. it's just a thing that you have to
1: do and it's easier because i i guess the way that football is interwoven into american culture i mean even the nostalgia around the star spangled banner and how um you know the nfl has aligned itself with the mini- military it feels yeah. like American to watch yeah. football, and that's yeah. the NFL yeah. has strategically since the '60s and '70s pushed that, recognized that, and pushed that um, as a part of you yeah. know it, its product. Um, with the NBA, because it's seven games up to seven games, it's a little bit different. And, and there are subsections of people who like watching basketball. They like watching baseball. They like watching hockey. And like for instance, hockey, basketball, baseball—they're all in the same. Area They're on the same season. I mean, baseball is earlier. But, um, yeah. like, they, they all intersect, like um, – actually, baseball is later. But hockey and uh, basketball, they their seasons run right next to each other. Yeah, so probably. you have to kind of make a pick, like, do I care more about basketball or hockey? So that splits the potential fan base in half. And so, you know, you're, you're going uh, along those lines. With basketball as well, like, Memphis is an irrelevant – relatively speaking franchise to the mainstream public but i think what raises the relevancy is like with lebron with cleveland if a generational superstar that draws eyeballs like a Giannis milwaukee's hoping that he does for them um you know that garners more and more interest because people want to see these stars so they can well yeah i mean
0: basketball hasn't really been a team like fan thing in a while yeah no outside of you know, places like Philly
1: or New York or Ever since David Stern took over, I mean, that was a big part of his yeah. deal. And the rest it was of about creating superheroes. Exactly. And
0: yep. superheroes don't belong to, um, to a geographical location. Yep. Maybe they belong to a team like the Avengers, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, like, you get that sometimes. You get the Dream Team, mm-hmm. you know, the 92 Dream Team in Barcelona. It's like that is a collection of superheroes. And I think that, like, you know, ever since then, people like to – People like to all the old heads. They like to bemoan like, uh, like if no, none of the young guys like care about you know uh, loyalty or whatever. Like if you, my young guys, I mean fans, like younger fans, like if uh, if your favorite team jumps ship to another team, you would just follow them. Like yeah, that's how it always has been, not always, but like that's how it has been for a long time, for the last I don't know thirty years now, essentially.
1: You know, I I went through an identity crisis in terms of my fanhood uh, because. When I first started watching basketball, it's kind of the tail end of Iverson um, Mm. in Philadelphia, and he gets traded to the Nuggets for Andre Miller, who retroactively, (laughs) Professor, the Professor retroactively is a very good NBA player. But I was like superstar to like definitely not exciting average point guard. So it's like in my anger with the Sixers, I flirted with other up and coming fan fan bases. Yeah, everybody does it. You have I told you who who I went to, who I pivoted to for a few years. The Orlando Magic. Oh, you did tell me I love Jameer Nelson. Yeah. Dwight Howard was on the up and up. They had just traded for Darko Milicic. Heat I was all for the redemption story. Uh, yeah. That's back when I used to be the all-time. they had Darko? They had Darko for a few years. Yeah, two years. I didn't know they that. They traded him for the pick that became Rodney Stuckey. It was in the 2007 draft. Um, but Darko... This was before, like I used to be the all-time bust apologist, and now I'm kind of the opposite. Like I'm like, if you're a bust, I'm calling you Reverse. out, Mr. Trubisky, yeah, and listening. I'm calling you like, right, I see it. So, um, what I realized with that is when the Dwight Mayor happened, he he willed his way out of Orlando to the Lakers, and it's like, okay, what do I do now? I've got this team where Nikola Vucevic, <laughs> Mo Harkless, you know, Jameer Nelson, and you know, it's like, you know what? Stars, because it was the player empowerment, it was like the beginning of the player empowerment area. So, stars are going to move. Let me just align myself with my city. And that's yeah. when I went back in, all in on the Sixers, Drew Holiday, Evan Turner, blah, um, Andre Iguodala, Thaddeus Young, Lou Williams. And then, you know, I, I get to see it's it's kind of like a stock where it's like you invest your <laughs> fanhood yeah, in the no, stock. Yeah, that's
0: a really good way to and you, it. And
1: you watch it progress yeah. and, you know, decline. And you're just hoping they make sound moves over time nfl it's a little bit different because those 16 weeks it's war yeah and you know it's more like in the moment like diehard where it's like i just want my team to make the right moves in the nba the 76ers and see how they progress and hopefully you know they stack good moves on good moves on good moves which they haven't done recently because (laughs) the al horford tobias harris contracts look like albatrosses right now that nobody would want but no um, you're
0: right like it's like if the nfl is war the the like rooting for an nba team is more like gardening <laughs> you just have this like, little <laughs> potted plant that you picked out from the store. Can we just, say like... cooking instead of gardening? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. It's like you just add a little bit of water every day. Oh and you're God. just like, hopefully it'll grow into like a nice, there we go.
2: like basil. But plant. then sometimes you get into the stage where it's like, you just watered it too much. Like, yeah, for sure. And then you're just like, shit! I gotta tear down this whole garden and yeah. start it over. Like that's how power. I felt as a fan when we had freaking uh, Rose, Noah, Gasol, Butler. Or even with uh, Butler, the three-headed alpha, three <laughs> alpha thing. Like then you're just like, no, you're well, right. what do I do with this garden? Do the, I put this garden away? The heartbreak with like an
0: NFL team failing, your NFL team, and the heartbreak with an NBA team failing is so. It's it's a little different in that sense, where it's like when you have a team for like in the NBA's scenario, where like it's so intimate. Yeah. Like let's say you have like four or five guys that you really, really. Loved watching over a certain amount of time, and then all it ends so fast. Yep, and all of a sudden, you're like, Oh my god, like, where, where did that go? Like, if you had asked me three years ago, I thought for sure, I thought for, we were winning a championship. You know, it's like I think back to like that, uh, the, the season with Melo and Tyson Chandler, yeah. and uh, oh my god, who else was on this team?
1: Uh, I, I mean, think Amar, Jason Kidd was on this Jason team, Jason Kidd,
0: Amar was on this team, Pablo Prigioni was on this team,
1: next uh, Tape, JR, we JR 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 were on that team, Shump, on that team. Shump, good jump, like, Shump,
0: really yeah. good jump. And I was like, "Oh, dude! Like for sure, we'll be in the playoffs every year." And then it, I think it literally never happened. I don't think it's happened
1: since then. So. And the interesting thing about your gardening analogy is that you'll be gardening for like let's say years, <laughs> and then an alien invasion comes, <laughs> and like you have to fight off of those fight off those aliens. Yeah. And you know, it's like the Raptors Sixers game right. seven last year, where it's like the most in- intense. Fan watching experience that you can have. The game sucked. Like I, uh, Bill Simmons slow in game. the B- Book of Basketball was, you know, talking about rewatching the game. It was fucking horrible. And like watching as a fan, I recognized it, but it was so compelling because it's mm-hmm. my team. It's my team out there, you know, clanking shots and Kawhi is like dragging his body up and down the court. Kawhi, and, you, you know, he, he was unbelievable. Process, you know, Jimmy Butler,
0: dude, uh, dude, Embiid uh, made a ton of huge plays in that, uh, like really late. Maybe it wasn't that game. Maybe it was the game before. I don't remember.
1: I, 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 the games are, like, interwoven in my they mind right together. now. But it, I, I just remember the, the reaction where it's, like, you know, missing shots, yeah. missing shot, JJ hits a big <laughs> shot. You know, Jimmy gets to the line. You, you, um, know, what,
0: you know what else happens? Uh, like, you're, you're totally right. The aliens come down, and they destroy your entire garden. and you're like, well, fuck, I had to do it again. You know what else happens, though? Somebody will – or the, the plant – committee of the world will come by and be like, Hey, actually that plant is stupid and it doesn't matter anymore. Like you're like, if you, if you grew like a Roy Hibbert plant, <laughs> and, you know, you just have like a, like a board member comes down and just informs you, Hey, like we love your setup and everything. Like we really like how you got these trees over here. You got like strawberries over here. But like that Roy Hibbert thing, nah, that's over.
1: Or someone can sell you some very promising seeds and like you have to give up some of your future seeds in order to trade for these seeds and then you're (laughs) being told this plant's gonna be amazing and then it doesn't bloom for two years and then you have to ship off those seeds for, you know, something that can at least complete your garden. Um, this is a Markel, You're really Fultz, Jonathan Simmons. About this, Zaire, Zaire no, this, 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 this is on. this is Markel. This is the Markel <laughs> situation. Zaire, I'm very piss- pessimistic about it. Um, I think w- that came out of that discussion came out of the Patriots
0: question. Is that? Yeah, it? I did. I don't know how we
2: got here. Okay,
0: but I mean, if we're on the NBA, we might as well. What's let's your actually next basketball. Go for it. Um, who? What's been your biggest surprise, positive or negative or both, of uh, the season so far? I mean, we're. I mean, we're we're like a third of the way through, we're a little
1: more than we're a more third. We're more than a third, yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you want to go first, Armand? I've got one, but Go I, ahead. Go you go. I think Chris Paul was the most toxic asset, basically forgotten in Oklahoma City, and now he's like he's good. top two in terms of making clutch shots in the fourth quarter. And it's gotten to the point where I've talked myself into uh exploring I can't remember if this was on Sam Vicini's podcast. I think it was his game theory podcast. he was talking about the Sixers should try to make a move for uh, Chris Paul. And if you had told me that three months ago, I'd be like, what the you're fuck so are you talking alive. about? But face. it's like as bad as the Harrison Horford com- contracts look right now, it's like, why not turn that into something? I mean, we, we got, we've got bad money on the books regardless. Why not try to turn some that into something that can help us win? Yeah, if you're Elton Brand, you have to go all in. You okay, have to go. No your, all country. your chips are already all in. Yeah. And – in that situation, I would hope we'd be able to pair Horford with something you know, to make the money match. And, you know, just because I, I like Tobias generally, yeah. they'd probably want Tobias if they want anything. Um, but my surprise is that, and, and I guess something, not as much of a surprise, but it's very interesting, a dy- dynamic that's kind of looming that I'd like to use this platform to discuss is basically with this NBA season – there are teams who are potential juggernauts that are sitting this season out. That's the Warriors and the, the Nets. Nets on both sides of the conference. Yeah. That creates an incredible sense of urgency for teams like the 76ers, teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, potentially the Clippers, too, because the deals that Kawhi and Paul George sign, it, it puts a little bit of a, a timeline on what they can do. And, I you know, about that. yeah, so it's interesting how. They perceived, how these teams perceive these pressures. Can there
0: one more team in there that you might find interesting in that mix that has to win this year that
1: nobody's talking about? Can I guess it? Yeah. East or West? East. It's not the Celtics. It is. It is the Celtics.
0: Because I think we we did this like a couple years ago. We were all like, oh, the Celtics, their future is so bright. It is, and I think it's brighter than it was before with just how great Tatum and Brown have been uh, as two-way players but I also think like you look at you know the Nets coming back next year with KD and Kyrie who hasn't played at all Um, you look the Warriors coming back with like potentially a really really good draft pick and Steph and Clay. you know it's like I don't know like how 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 long is that window really I mean what if this is going to be their best year to do it I mean Kemba is not going to Kemba's getting older
1: yeah. I, the team that I'm kind of annoyed at myself that I didn't mention, I think the Bucks have even more pressure than oh, wow. the Celtics because they're basically like, once Giannis doesn't sign that uh, Supermax contract extension, Basically, time is ticking for them to get something of value for him.
0: It was ticking last year. Yeah. I mean, you, we started to hear it. Like, I mean, that's just how free agency is now. It's, it's like four years left in your contract. It might as well be expiring in the eyes of, like, a team, you know?
1: And and my – I've told Armand this. Conspiracy Yost thinks that he's going to the Warriors if he leaves Giannis. The, yeah, he's Oh, wow. Um, just because
0: – he's, he's going to whoever signs Thanasis and uh, – and Costas.
1: So, the, so yeah, um, so the, that's why the Bucks signed Thanasis this year. I mean, Costas is on the. Um, dude, I asked today
0: that the Knicks mistreat, or he thinks that the Knicks didn't treat. Because
1: uh, Thanasis the started Nassus there. Really well. Yeah, so they're yeah. gonna have to draft Alex. Uh, you know, I'm
0: so upset, dude.
1: Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he's he not never going to the going Knicks. there
0: anyways. But like, the, what a fucking stupid. Ass Stephen
1: Curry and Giannis. Um, <laughs> Well, like Anthony they've had kind of like, you know, people have talked about how LeBron has used the All Star draft to publicly flirt with players that he wants right. to target. But Steph and Giannis in those same All Star drafts, they have kind of a back and forth. First pick that Steph took in the oh, yeah. draft two years ago, he took Giannis. Who did Giannis take? He took Steph. In the games, too. I remember when uh, Steph threw that lob to yes. Giannis
0: last year and he, he like jumped over
1: the backboard yep. to get it. It was so stupid. Yep. So I. Uh, I think this is a team that nobody's talking about because they're horrible right now. But they're going to have a top five. Presumably, they're going to have a top five lottery pick. They're going to have D'Angelo Russell, and they've got these assets that they're kind of building. Whether you want to talk sure. about Maurice Spellman, Eric Pascal. they cut Marquise Chris obviously, but Damian Lee's 27, so he doesn't have much of a you know upside. But in terms of a guy who can come in and play rotation minutes, he's, he's gonna pretty solid. He has value in the league. Glenn have- Robinson's only on a one-year deal, but. Um, they, I think they, what they, gives
0: what gives me confidence with the Warriors too, like just to further your point, is just that like we know their organization is competent. Uh, like you just can't like there's plenty of teams that have assets or incoming assets, uh, um, but you know, like you just mentioned, the Warriors have a ton of them, and we just know that Joe Lacob is not James Dolan. Yeah, <laughs> like it's that's just a fact, and that talent gap is probably bigger than. Whatever talent gap you want to associate with any player.
1: Mm. Who, who, do you, uh, who do you think has the most urgency on them? I mean, I, I guess you. Sp-
0: Out of any team?
1: Yeah, to I, win I, this year, given the looming threat of the I say the, Warriors the Celtics the be,
0: because I think that they are, they legitimately have a shot. Mm. They are right now, per um, cleaning the glass, uh, like. I think they have, like, the second-best point difference in the league, second to uh, Milwaukee. Their defense has, like, consistently been – they they haven't dropped off at all. I mean, they've, they've, there's been no lapses. They've been a top-five unit for the entire year on defense. On offense, they've been – you know, they're not they're not spectacular, but they never turn the ball over. They, like, turn the ball over at, like, record low rates, which in the playoffs is really important. I mean, every game is a half-court, slug-it-out game. So the more possessions you have, the better. And they they're a really good half-court team. So I think, like, stylistically – They're built really well to succeed in the playoffs. And for everybody else to be watered down, you know, there's no KD in the conference. Um, um, For the East to be pretty much wide open. I mean, Milwaukee's great, but they have holes. Um, You know, Toronto's great, but they're not great on offense. I mean, they're a defense, they're a top five unit on defense and on offense. They just kind of get by. You know, so it's like Boston... And I talked about this, we talked about this before the season, that Boston could potentially, could potentially be your one seed, have home court advantage, like, throughout the playoffs. And, you know, with the way that the league is for this year right now, could also potentially be the most talented team in the East anyways, and the best
1: coach team. I, the reason I'd say the Bucks and the Sixers and the East have more pressure is because those teams can't slow play it. That's there true. are factors, like, Tatum and Brown can play with each other the next eight years or something like that. And they've already got Tatum or Brown under contract, Tatum's up for a contract, and provided their chemistry is at a stable level. Obviously, Kemba's getting older, but, like, they can have this team run it back, you know, year in, year out, kind of like what the Blazers are doing, except have more of a realistic chance to get to the finals, and I think that... Whatever the Warriors can build is a little bit more threatening in my mind than what the Nets can build. So I think the Celtics, by just keeping their core together, hanging around, winning on the margins, as we like to say, like I think they have a puncher's chance at getting in sometime in the next seven years to the finals. The Sixers, Embiid's health is a ticking time bomb. They've already gone all in, and those moves haven't shown themselves to bear fruit quite as you might have expected. And can
0: I say something about Embiid real quick? Sure. I feel like... Uh Almost every player in the league plays himself into shape during the
1: season, right?
0: I feel like Embiid plays himself out of shape. (laughs) Every time I see him, like every, like, if it's like a back-to-back night one, I'm like, okay, like, he's moving pretty well. Like, he looks all right. Second game, I'm like... Did he add, like, three pounds of fat, like, overnight? Like, I don't know. He just looks shittier. He looks doughy. Like,
1: what's going on with this guy? Ar- Armand affectionately calls him fat ass. <laughs> and, uh,
0: Dude, he looked so good in college, though, like, lean. Like, yeah. I'm talking about his body, like, shredded. But, he,
1: like, what throws me off is the way, like, the Bucks have a historic point differential, historic net rating, and the Sixers just smack them at home um, on Christmas, and they have the ability to do that, but... You know they're four and six in their in their last ten games. I think it styles make fights. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Yeah, maybe that's it. That
0: the Sixers are a matchup problem for for, uh, for the Bucks. I mean,
1: and for, the Celtics
0: and the Celtics. They just have so much length, uh, especially on defense. But like, almost every other team is a great matchup against the Sixers. Like you can just you can just get by some of their guys. I mean, uh, uh, I think defensively as a unit, like they're so overrated. But coming into the season, I thought they were going to be the best defense in the league. I didn't even think it was going to be that close. But I just think, like, so they just haven't addressed this issue of, like, you can get penetration on them, it seems like, whenever you really want to. Um, and unless it beads around the rim, I mean, you're probably going to score or go to the line or something. I don't know.
1: We never got your surprise from the season. Kind of uh, monopolized this. Breaking news, Al Farouk Amino out indefinitely after knee yeah, surgery. So, but, yeah.
2: Um, the Chief. I want to add one more team to the pressure to win now. Kind of on the same token as Giannis, I, I would say Utah. Mm. And the reason is because... They're hot right now. They're they're, they're hot right now. I haven't won their last yeah. time. They're an old team. They've kind of gone in on the now. Yeah. Mike Conley is, what, 32, 33. Ingles is around the same age. Bogdanovich is getting up there. Uh, Gobert is young, but if this is who he is... But he's is old as a, as a player. Enough? Yeah,
0: he's he's plateaued. Yeah. Like, he's not going to... Exactly.
2: Yeah. And then and then you have start your, start your shiny star, Donovan Mitchell, who seems like he's all about it. He seems like he's all about Utah. I get no inclination that he has even considered going elsewhere. But at some point, you're going to look around and be like, I want to oh, win. Shit, I have a bunch of corpses here, yeah. and I want to win. And I don't get enough recognition or publicity being in Utah. So I feel like they have a lot of pressure going into these playoffs. And obviously Utah is not a free agent destination and I believe they traded their pick for Conley so they don't even have a way to really improve their roster, which is why they gave up two seconds and Exum for Clarkson because that's kind of what you have to do when you're put in those positions. I feel like they have a lot, a lot of pressure to do something substantial in these playoffs. In terms of surprise for the season, was this surprise or disappointment?
0: Uh, just whatever surprise, whatever positive or negative.
2: Um, I was going to talk about Chris Paul, but that one uh, we discussed, and that's a very pleasant surprise. The other one, I think, something that I'm keeping an eye on, two two guys that I'm keeping an eye on at the trade deadline, Colin Sexton and a bigger name, Carl anthony Towns. And Towns, this has been floated around recently. I just don't understand. Well, I brought it up initially, and then some... A-holes on whatever on site. Reddit or whatever. Reddit, floated it around. But just common sense, looking at Minnesota, it's like, what are they doing? Where are they as a franchise? And do you want to hit the reset button? Towns and Wiggins, money-wise, they're, that's kind of it for them. Do you want to kind of divvy that up into a couple other players? I floated around that Brooklyn idea. Brooklyn gets a big three, and then um, Minnesota gets, like, Levert. Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, something like that We know Kyrie Phoenix has been talking about Townsend
0: boys right, or something like that
2: I think they are yes, uh forget my th- my theory, I think that was part of it, but I can't remember at this stage. I'm very tired um, but the sexton thing Garland and him don't seem to really mesh offensively or defensively shocker i I made a joke with yos uh we were texting, and I was like, we're talking about um garland's tape and i was like yo watch it this this second mark and watch what sexton's doing with his hands and his hands are just up like as garland's like Dion waiter yes name, Dion yeah. waiter style in shot motion he's he's just ready to disrupt everything the thing with him is i just don't know he he's one of those guys that thinks he's the best player in the world and with with you're giving me a thumbs-up with that. Yeah, I mean, th- this happens with a lot of NBA guys. You compare Dion Waiters, and a lot Waiters of these Island. guys just come into the league, and they they don't realize that you kind of have to—
0: Well, it's a it's a little bit of a mind fuck, right? Because you—I mean, people say this all the time, but just put yourself in someone's shoes where you literally have been the best player— Everywhere you've been. Everywhere. For everywhere. a lot of these guys. Until you get to this level, and then all of a sudden— you're supposed to you're supposed to be like a six man like and the,
1: the thing park. is is that you have to adapt or die yeah you be, have to be like humble think about what carmelo anthony went through yeah. and you know he he got fortunate that carmelo anthony in syracuse oh syracuse yeah, yeah. i'm talking about uh, carmelo anthony towards you know in the past oh in the past year year or two yeah where he looked like he was going to have an iversonian end to his career he got lucky basically that portland um so throttled with injuries they gave him a chance and now he's doing well um you you look at an austin rivers and the hype that he got out of high school and then duke one and done 10th overall pick flames out with the pelicans he had to turn himself into a role player jordan clarkson exactly
0: dude if you want to say with portland who's the guy that mellow mellow took this guy's job i mean not really like the guy was never gonna have it but nasir little i mean little was somebody who like was so hyped and then has. Uh, you know a really shitty year at UNC where it's like okay this guy's just an athlete he literally just doesn't know how to play basketball right now and it's like like I would put money that his career would go that direction I, I, hope, I hope it doesn't but I could totally see Little becoming one of these guys that we talk about where like hey remember when Nasir Little had like the dopest like mixtape ever yeah. you know what I mean like like how is that not a conversation we're going to have in 6 years? How
1: about Ben McLemore? This is the 7th oh, overall pick in 2013 good this year? and I mean his statistical line is exactly identical to what it's been its entire really? career. Oh. Yeah, I actually looked at it today coincidentally cuz Zach Lowe wrote that piece on him, but it oh, seems yeah. like the little things in terms of looks him smarter. like on the court and off the court intelligence, he's really been drilling at that and you know, he's in a perfect spot base i mean obviously situation hasn't a lot to do with it but colin sexton bring it back to him is he ever gonna have whether you want to call it basketball iq or maturity to recognize that his best shot is probably as an off-the-guard energy guy or does he think that he can emerge into a star i mean lou williams had an interview Uh, I believe it was on the All the Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, where like, you know, he he was really candid about the fact that everybody thought that, you know, coming in the league, they're going to be a superstar, including him. He's like, Lou Will says, I I thought I was going to be a superstar, and I had to kind of carve out my own lane, and you know, I've got it pretty good as um, a sixth man, and you know, I never thought that's what I want to be, but you know, I, I carved my own lane, and been able to make a nice career out of it does Colin Sexton have the awareness to do that and figure out what he needs to be what what he needs to do to be an asset to a team or is he just going to bounce around on like three or four teams it's it's a two
2: part question because yeah he has to adapt but then the other hard tricky thing is well what is his niche what is yeah. his role cuz he doesn't even have one right now is he an above average defender like we don't really we haven't really had a sample of anything that's substantially good like hey do more of this i agree with you that he needs to buy into whatever role they're trying to play him at and get good at it i just don't think it's going to happen with 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 cleveland and that's why i want to see him while he's young and while you know he still has this potential upside quote unquote um on a team where he gets more opportunities as the primary ball handler and just kind of figure it out on the fly that's why I kind of threw Detroit out there because Detroit has been, I mean, D-Rose played point guard for them, but Reggie Jackson's been out. They've been trying Brown at point Luke guard. they out. They've been trying everything. So why not, can these two teams make a trade where you can give up um, like a Christian Wood package and some, some other stuff
1: and then.
0: I don't think uh, Detroit would do that.
1: Detroit wouldn't?
0: I think they really like For,
1: Christian Wood. I think they value Christian Wood as For well. Sexton? I, I I think the thing is is that Sexton, like, that archetype of player is probably— A dime a dozen. A, si- a dime a dozen, and aside from bigs, it, it's the most available asset you can find, right, in terms of an inefficient, undersized scoring guard. Like, you can— you can get Walt Lemon, you know he he's out there. That was a little bit mean to Walt. He actually had a nice run with uh, your your Chicago Bulls last yes. year. But um aside from you know big man, you, you can find guys like Jordan Clarkson. He went for Dante Exum in two seconds. Like I think that's the kind of return that the. Cavaliers would be looking at if they were to trade a guy like Sexton and do you want to deal with that PR? It's like you took this guy over Shea Gilgis-Alexander this is the guy who was the first draft pick in the post-LeBron era I guess post-LeBron part 2 era Let's be fair
0: with how Sexton was like evaluated though I mean he was definitely considered like I, I, a pretty good prospect. You no, know, he was a good position, prospect yeah.
1: for sure, and that's what—that's my point. Is like, do you want to two years out say basically publicly give up on the guys? Most
0: GMs would just because it's embarrassing.
1: And that—and that's what I'm saying. That like, if the package, if a comparable package for a scoring guard that's been traded is Dante Exum in two seconds, like they're not going to give up on Sexton that readily. I don't think. Yeah. Um, it's too
0: much egg on your face, if you're that. Speak
1: GM. in Cavaliers uh, division takes. I don't think Kevin Love is garnering anything, and you might have to attach an asset to get rid of him, just because I don't think he's really – he hasn't shown he can stay healthy, and I think he's basically a third big at this stage of his career. Um, because can you really comp – like, play him at the four? Like, he has to be, like, in the pain at this stage of his career – I've seen tweets that say, you know, and obviously if he was on a winning situation, he wouldn't be pouting the way that he is in Cleveland. But if Process was doing what he'd be doing, he'd be getting ripped to shreds. If Westbrook was doing what he'd be doing, what he was doing, like he he'd be ripped to shreds. And it's just a combination of health, his role in the modern NBA. I think he's a third big making. Basically, star player money. So, I my hot take is not necessarily they won't be traded, but they're going to have to attach something to to get off of him.
2: I I agree with that. I think that there's very few teams that can actually realistically pile up the money to make a a big trade. Maybe Dallas could talk themselves into it, but again, you're is it really addition? You're you're going to be whoever trades for him, pretty much is going to be subtracting defense. And then you have to give him touches, which, assume, assuming that's why you're actually trading for him, but these contenders that want him, is he going to ask for too many touches where it's like now you're taking away from, like, for example, with the Dallas thing, or are you taking away from what Luka does and what KP does and these guys? Hold up.
0: Just on that point, right, is he going to take out away touches from stars? Let's say, no, let's say of course not. he's in Dallas. So so uh, when did Cleveland win the chip? 2016?
1: Uh, 2016, yeah.
0: 2016. So th- th- these were his numbers for that year. Okay, He played 60 games, so he missed twenty twenty one. 21 um, That's a lot. Uh, he played 31 minutes a game. He had 19 points per game on 42% shooting with 11 rebounds a night. I mean, I, in my opinion, rebounds are the most overrated in basketball. So, so overrated. I don't even care about that. In two assists a game. This year, 30 minutes a game, pretty similar, 17 points a game, so one bucket less, or one trip to the free throw line less, 46% shooting uh, with 10 rebounds a game, and three assists a game. So he's pretty much the same guy, I mean, production-wise. Is that worth whatever you're giving up to get him? I don't know. It depends on what you're giving up. But is he still somebody who could play on a championship team and be your third best player? Yes, He literally showed that with this level of production on a championship team as their third best player.
2: I'm not disagreeing with that. It's just that the teams that can get him, they're already like a Dallas, like a Portland. They're already so bad defensively. It's like, does he really fit their puzzle? And then you have to think about, I agree that he hasn't fallen off like some people may say. It's just that the contract still is so scary looking and it still has I believe two years left on it well, after yeah, this. But let's
0: let's not let's not, you know let's not you know, dress a pig up or whatever the 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 thing is or whatever. Uh, do you know the saying? Yeah, put, I, lipstick on a pig. put lipstick on a pig. Put let's, on a pig. Let's, on let's not put a lipstick pig. on a pig. If if you're getting Kevin Love this year, you're saying we can win the championship yes. this year. Probably just this year. The rest of the contract you're just swallowing it like you're just taking it like a champ. But, who's, but Kevin Lo-
1: who's a Kevin Love away from winning a championship is the that, question you have to ask.
0: The question you actually have to ask is who thinks they're a Kevin Love away from a championship? Sure. Or who thinks that they're a Kevin Love away from salvaging a season? Because like we just you know, touched on, GMs, are they don't want to be embarrassed. GMs have huge egos, not just because they have huge egos, but also because they're really afraid to lose their job. Job insecurity is like the number one killer of competency in the NBA, like, people thinking they might lose the job. So if you're Neil, Neil O'Shea in Portland, and you are on the verge of missing the playoffs with Damian Lillard, who's on a super, super mega fucking Uber Max contract now and CJ McCollum, and you've had this season from hell with all these injuries, and you think, hey, if we can just sneak into the playoffs with these guys and Carmelo having a renaissance season, A, what's to say we can't actually make an okay push in this Western Conference where it's more watered down than it's been in five years and B you know that could potentially save my job so I think a lot of the times we as as fans and as fans who either think we're smart or are actually smart about the game we think like they're, they're not going to win a championship for that that contract is crazy so they shouldn't give up too many assets for that and while I don't disagree with that I just think in principle yes but in practice. Generally, that's not how operations in the, in the NBA work. That's how you get all these crazy, stupid trades that Vlade Divac makes every three days. You know what I mean? It's not because he thinks he can win a championship with them. Maybe he's deluded himself into thinking that. But it's because in the short term, he thinks it's going to pr- uh, prolong his job security.
1: I think with Portland, um, it might be best, honestly, for them to go the other way and, and embrace the tank. Uh, I can't. Is Lillard the last time they had a—I guess McCollum was a lottery pick as well— um, I think they need to add some young talent to that roster. And, I mean, I, I guess with the injuries in the Western Conference, they might just make it by default. Um, Carmelo, the production they've gotten out of him, the fact that they'd probably have to put the white side contract in the deal, and white side's been, you know, strangely uh, a effective. solidifying yeah. presence for them. So I don't think Portland is the team. I, I understand what you're saying in terms of – you you can create a case for them that they could talk themselves into being Kevin Love away but i also think that neil O'Shea and that portland organization as a whole they've shown that i mean they've been swept in the first round they've stood pat maybe missing the playoffs would be things something that would set it over the edge but the track record they they've been pretty patient about it and maybe the bucks for Kevin Lott, I, don't, I don't know where where the natural fit is. I don't know the money. I think the other
2: team that we didn't mention is Miami because they're starting Myers Leonard, and Myers Leonard is— He's been
1: good for them. Yeah, I think he's, he's been, been actually— He's been good,
2: but they, tr- they don't really— They don't want to— He's their Zoo the box, which is another guy that the Clippers should upgrade from, but they can they can put a package together. You put Justice Winslow in there, get a bad contract off the books, James Johnson, Dion Waiters— that and actually
0: be makes sense with to me. It. I think Miami's ready to move on from Winslow just because of the injury yeah. thing.
1: And, and then, Miami is the team to watch, but is Kevin Love the guy they go after? Like, I would advocate going after Chris Paul before Kevin or Love.
2: Holiday. Yeah, they or Holiday. Or Holiday. They no, have I a mean, couple avenues that they can. Or do they want to do anything? Exactly. Do they, like yeah. they want to keep their books
1: clean for they're, the summer of Giannis?
2: They're probably the most fascinating trade deadline team in terms of the contracts that they can put together. It's all going to depend on of, Pat.
0: If Pat, who you have to remember is like eighty years old, if he wants, if he thinks he can win the championship this year, fuck yeah, he's gonna go all in. Because well, he, do
2: you think he they can win the championship, no. even if they make a move?
0: I don't because um, the team right now is actually like I think they're overperforming a little bit. I agree. I think they've won a lot of close games that you know, it's just you're just not gonna win too many of those, and I think that the East, the top like three or four in the East is really really good, and I think that like. Uh, Milwaukee and Boston are just better teams than Miami, and I think if they go up in a seven game series, like it's just I just don't see Miami winning winning that
1: series. That what often. if what if Miami got Holiday, just a Drew in, Holiday, Drew Holiday, yeah.
0: Oh, man, that's I mean that that's a huge uh, that'd be a huge addition because I think Drew is really turning around after a really slow start.
1: And it, I mean, his struggles were offensively, and I think that you know as a two way player as a guy. I guess a guy who could guard a Kemba, for instance, um, in earlier rounds, maybe a brogdon type player. Uh, he he could guard the Bucks. You could throw him on Bloods, so you can throw him. I guess on Giannis for a few possessions if you wanted to. I think it's an interesting dynamic that I'd look at. And Miami, the Miami Heat in general. This has been a, a something in basketball coverage uh, an observation that's been made is that there aren't really a lot of those bad like 20 million dollar contracts it's either like you know your maxes or your basically contracts in the mid-level area and you don't have really those middle class deals that personified the past two three years uh, all of those contracts that were signed during the summer of 2016. Except for Kevin Love.
0: Kevin Love is kind of in that range right it's what 27 a year but or you something?
1: still so for instance like if the Celtics wanted to get involved like they'd have to put Marcus Smart in the deal and they still they're exactly not they're not going to do that that's my point like He's there's a lot of listen. teams that have more like Justice Winslow is in that category where but they do have those expire. you know they've got the James Johnson deal. Yeah, and waiters. My point about Miami is that they have the flexibility to work up to a variety of different yeah, packages to get a variety of different things that you players. Mention. And you might be like, I think the big key is like, are they willing to attach a hero into a deal depending on the player that they'd be bringing in? Because I think they could trump almost all offers because of their ability to match every conceivable contract structure and their ability to throw in a nice appetizer in a Tyler Hero. Because I don't think Winslow is a promising prospect at this stage. I think he's a solid rotation player. But nobody's like, oh, we just got Winslow in the trade. I so.
0: think Winslow is promising. I think it's the injury thing that's going to scare a lot of teams off.
1: What's his upside, though?
0: Um, he, could, he could play point guard, even though he's 6'7 and
1: 2'. If you were a general manager, could you talk your fan base into the upside of a Winslow versus the upside of a Hero?
0: I think so. Yeah, I I, I do. Th- I definitely think so. I I don't think that like has played poorly. I think like his last season and a half of work have been his best. Um, he's more
1: of a known quant- quantity, I guess, is what you're saying. So you play him at the point guard position to mitigate his lack of shooting, uh, where it's on the wing. I mean, before, early in his career, they played him at power forward. He got beat up because you know he's a six he's six terrible. power forward. Yeah. Um, so unlocking that playmaking ability is interesting, but shooting is always at a premium in the nba and
0: i don't know that he's a bad shooter
1: no i'm yeah, talking I, about hero versus you know what, winslow versus hero, hero like yeah, even right. if winslow's an average shooter hero is a better shooter yeah. um, you you I, can talk him into you can talk yourself into him being stauskas <laughs> No, but like a a really good shot creator. I mean, you've compared him yourself to Bradley Beal, I believe, in terms uh, of the way that just in
0: terms of the way that he gets literally just the way in terms of the way he gets into his shots. It's a lot of one dribble, two dribble moves, pull up.
2: So something to say about. I was gonna say about Winslow. For me, his upside is on offense. It's basically nothing. I (laughs) I don't see anything. Point guard, if you're playing him... I think they did that just to up his value. I don't think that they ever really believed in it themselves. Shooting-wise, I don't believe in... Every time he's open, I'm like, go ahead and shoot it. I don't care. But defensively, potentially first-team all-defense, if he can just stay healthy and you put him on... He has that kind of upside. He's an athlete. He's strong. Again, he the problem is he played power forward and he got beat up, so you kind of have to limit him to guarding like one through three. Um, but you can put him on any team's best player, and he can be that guy for you. But in Miami, is that what they really need? They have Jimmy Butler to do that. I mean, it's
0: a moot point. He can't stay healthy. He's missed like yeah, it's... a month and a half. So,
1: Do you have a final question? We're at the over-the-hour mark. You've asked oh, great are. questions. A We've had uh, good tangents off, uh, off the questions. Good conversation. Man, do you, think? I throw do another... you want my top? 12 12 receivers? (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Let's circle back.
1: (laughs) All right. Top receivers actually have them ranked.
0: Dude, I've spent so much time just in the YouTube dark rabbit hole of, like, just watching college football receiver highlights.
1: And there are a lot of good ones, even considering the fact that Tylen Wallace left from Oklahoma State, uh, considering that Devontae Smith, tragically, is staying at Alabama. But still, there's plenty of guys. Honestly, I think
0: that's a good move from Devontae. But he
1: would have been a second-round pick anyway.
0: I know, but I just think that, like, I think Devontae's really good, man. What if he gets hurt? Okay, yeah, that's true. That's always a huge risk. But I think if you're going to make that risk, I think you should be in a position like Devontae where people are sleeping on you. Like, I think he's a good player.
1: He is a good player. He established that he's going to go no worse than the second round, and he comes back. I, I guess so he can. He thinks he'd be a first rounder. But there are good receivers next year. They are and who's the L- or who's the uh, LSU guy? The uh, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Justin yeah. Ross. Justin Ross. Yeah. I-, I was talking to Evan about this, where it's like I feel like next year's class, if it's not as good, it's just below that, and you know they're going to be so many good receivers. and I feel like the opportunity to cash in yeah. second round contract not worth it. So I'm going to go C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and a tier. By themselves. I agree with that. I go CD slightly ahead of Judy. I get Judy's route running prowess, his ability to get open, game breaker. I just think CD Lamb after the catch and at the catch point. It's really what entices me. Judy is a better route runner, probably a little bit faster in terms of straight line and I don't think you can miss with either guy. T Higgins I've got third.
0: He's so good, bro.
1: And T Higgins might be the reincarnation of AJ Green. I love him oh, his ability. I like. I, like. I, I love his ability to high point passes and I also think that his Are they footwork They right the same height. He, he's like 6'3". I think he's actually legit 6'4". Um He's big. And uh, of the guys in that 2017 high school class, he was kind of the guy in terms of the top right ranked uh, high school class uh, high, high school receiver in 2017. Henry Ruggs, the speedster, takes the top off of a defense, and then you you, you buy the the Tyreek. Uh, hype. So Tyreek, the thing about him is that he's built like a fire hydrant. <laughs> he's so stout. Like. <laughs> so like, it, it, it's the issue of like, you can't press the guy because he's fast and because he's and built he's, like a fire hydrant. He's also
0: more because he's built that way. He's also more physical as a player. Than exactly. You expect. Like, there's a couple plays that Tyreek Tyreek Hill will make. Will like where he'll just out wrestle somebody at the point of the catch, and you're like, whoa. Wh- Where's that coming from? He's like
1: 5'9". He's insane. He he might be – I think Thomas is the best receiver in the league. You can talk Hopkins. I think Tyreek Hill He's is the right there. He's the player in the league. So sure. I, I don't think Ruggs can uh, replicate the physicality, but the ability to the, the have him – get deep the screen game and then also more and more teams are using guys think about the way the 49ers use Debo Samuel where he you know they use him on end end arounds reverses jet sweeps like he's a guy who the defense always has to uh, take account into and another guy along those lines who I've got at five I'm a little bit worried about him is LaVisca Chanel just because is he a situation where he's what are you worried about it's does he get open does he get open, or is he more of a gadget guy like a Cordell Patterson worst-case scenario? Um, I think he's probably more athletic than Nikhil Harry, but um, the way Nikhil Harry was used in uh, at Arizona State is similar to the way that LaVisca was used at Colorado where, you know, punt returner, screen game, jet sweeps, but ultimately at the NFL level as an outside receiver, you have to— Find a way to get open. I just yeah. wonder if Laviskin can, can do it, and I guess an honorable mention to Justin Jefferson. He's gonna get, He's gonna be a guy I'm keeping my eye I on. I think
0: he's a little underrated, too. Just underrated, yeah. Strong. The guys ahead of him are like as prospects, but like I think in any other year, we'd be talking about Jefferson, and people would be throwing out any comp you want with like. Some receiver who's not doesn't have game breaking speed, but yeah. he's just like a really good possession receiver. You know, like I've heard like the Devonte Adams thing thrown out a little bit. Mm. Like I think obviously it's hyperbole, but like I think Jefferson is is legit, and I think like his instincts. There's some you know, especially when the play breaks down, which it often does with Joe Burrow, and then you know you just have like the immediate recognition from Jefferson like okay route's over let's run around and make up shit
1: and he just has a knack man he just has a knack he doesn't play football yeah so Jefferson's in that conversation so I mean is there any guy that I mentioned that that I disagree with you would say deserves more recognition or someone that I'm overlooking um um I mean, People's Jones, your guy from Michigan.
0: <laughs> he's terrible. He does. He's the opposite of how I see Justin Jefferson. Like, okay. A really wow. Good, really good athlete. He's
1: an athlete, but just lacks. Who has no
0: idea how to play football. Yeah. Like, he's just not. He he just he disappears in huge moments, and he has terrible hands, and like he just never understands how to make it play. I don't. Know. I'm I'm not a fan.
1: I would have put Devontae Smith and Tylen probably over a healthy Tylen over Lavisca Chenault. So, I would put
0: Smith over. Who's the other guy you just mentioned?
1: uh Jefferson Yeah Jefferson Lavisca, Chenault Tylen Wallace yeah uh and you would have had Henry Ruggs I, I think I would have yeah when push came to shove
0: I, I would know. for sure have Smith over Chenault yeah if he was if he was going
1: it's just I mean he he had the best stats of any Alabama receiver and he just looks like the spitting image of Emmanuel Sanders which other people have comped him to and I just think that guy's going to come in the league and That's be a professional count. receiver so with
0: the with the gadget thing though like I understand like the concern with Chenault especially after <laughs> this whole Nikhil Harry thing happened but like I don't know. I think increasingly, if you are an elite guy with that, there's a lot of value to be had in, sure. in a guy that can do that for an NFL team now. Like, um, you know, you think about somebody like, um, uh, who's Dallas' this guy? He's been around the league forever. Randall Cobb. Yeah. Like, Cobb has made an entire career doing just that, where it's like, well, Cobb can also actually play receiver. But, yeah. like, you know, like back in the day when he was like putting He was absurd. basically
1: Percy Harvin, like, before yeah. he, yeah. you know, Got more acclimated into yeah. you know Rogers' circle of trust and yeah. as a top option, but some guys that like Cordell Patterson, the spitting image of a guy who didn't break out of that. And
0: but Patterson is
1: good. I mean, he is good. Yeah, I mean, he, the Pats miss him. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean Patterson is good, but I don't know, man. Like. I, I, I'm thinking, I guess, from the perspective of an Eagles fan who needs a guy who can get open on third down yeah. for Carson Wentz. And Chenault, I mean, could you imagine Chenault with the Saints and the way they use Taysom Hill and just having another <laughs> weapon for the defense to think about? He'd be perfect there, but I think there are That's other situation. places he could go and get lost in the shuffle. So,
0: I got one more question. Go for it. Because we are just talking about these gadget guys. I want to hear both of you guys. So how do we fix... Kick returns and punt returns. Because I went back and I was in our beloved NFL Throwbacks YouTube channel. And I was watching Devin Hester talk us through uh, his entire career and those magical seasons that he had. You know, with the Bears. Just had some iconic moments. What happened to the kick return, man? It fucking sucks now. How do we fix it?
2: Change the rules. So we're not going to see it anymore. We're never going to.
0: But so they pushed it up. When did they push up? You the, you kick it now like five yards further yeah. than you did like what four or five years ago? Yeah. Can we just take it back? Why did they get rid of it? I nobody That's, gave, ever player gave safety player Never. safety
1: public Fuck, relations. Then <laughs>
0: just don't even do that. How about just put start the ball on the twenty? The tw- there's tw- a better do, chance but, of
1: that yeah. happening than yeah. Um, you know. Don't there's, tease
2: us with like it was the number one back, play that. Uh, Concussions happened, I think, and injuries in general, something like that. That's why they changed it.
1: That's but you're so right; stupid. if they had common sense, they would get rid of it altogether.
0: And also, like, if you play football, guess what? You're gonna get concussed.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's not it's not coming back. I I, I missed those days, but um, how do we fix kick and pop returns? Watch NFL Throwback because that's where you're gonna get them. <laughs> Dude, David I will say that
2: that kid for the Saints, he yeah, he's
1: he's good. He's electric. What's his name? Harris. Uh yeah, yeah. Deontay it's Harris. Harris. Yeah. It's their kick yeah. returner. Yeah, number but, number 11 Number 11. It's almost so. like an added yeah. bonus like w- when you see like someone who's returning kicks like regard like yeah. because like you you're catching the ball like 5 yards into the end zone, you have to get it to the 25 to make it like yeah. a net positive yeah. on on the return and some guys just go out there and they get like 35 yards. It's yeah. like okay, like it's you're great. you're a boss. Yeah. Good for it. you.
0: There this is just some of my favorite plays ever are kick returns. Like that the Josh Cribbs. Oh my god. <laughs> but the play that Devin Hester made where he he he, ca- he catches it. Uh he just walking around. Everybody thinks Giants it's a, game. yeah, everybody thinks it's a touchback and he just starts he just takes off. Like yep. this you're telling me that's never ever going to happen again. Oh, you should
2: have seen uh 14 15 year old me when that happened. Oh, I was going ballistic. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite memories was my the childhood. camera
0: on it the whole time or did it cut away and they, they, no they so had sprung. it on
2: it he, he was slowly walking and then yeah. that was when because uh, the Giants were off the Jim field Jim Jones balling came out and the balling. Giants <laughs> the Giants had been doing that to every team their, oh. it was their sack celebration and so that week was the week that Devin Hester scored and and then the whole team started doing the balling thing to like rub it in wow. salt in the wounds
0: where, where does he rank on your favorite beers of all time top 10
2: Oh, uh, no, dude! It's got to be close to number one. Whoa, really? Him yeah. or Danny? Danny who's Danny? <laughs> Danny who's Danny? You love Danny, Trevathan. 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 No, yeah. he's not top ten.
0: What? He's not even? Not even top ten. What about Mike no. Brown?
2: No. The safety? Again, that's like. Is that pre-armon? Yeah, that's like like right when I started to watch. Perlacher? So if Hester's yeah, he's not number five.
0: one, who's number one?
2: So here's here's the short list. Um, Mitch. <laughs> Jay. Burlacher, Briggs, Hester, Peanut. It's probably the top five. Kyle Forte. Long. Forte. He's he's top fifteen, Kyle Long.
1: Forte. Montgomery.
2: And I'm trying to think who else Mitch? recently?
0: If if Mack had, had a season, peppers if Mack had, had a season this year like he did last year, would he would be on the list? Yeah. What the fuck happened to
1: him, man? Charles Leno?
2: Oh man. Jamarcus Webb. Jamarcus know, Webb, that was no, the worst. The right tackle, our worst left tackle. He 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 went from I believe he went from right to left, and it was a, he got uh, The next time we played the Giants, this is really off topic. I'm sorry for getting us. It's okay. So we're wrapping up. Jay so. Cutler got sacked, I believe, ten times in the first half, and like six of them were because of Jamarcus Webb, and he got a concussion. He had to leave the game. You you have to realize ten sacks and a half is almost is, I've never almost like impossible to do, even if you tried. I've you forgot one guy. That.
1: Who Thomas Jones. Tom, yeah. No. Thomas yeah. Q. Jones. That was the beginning of the barbecue. we Muhammad. Oh, yeah. No, we did see him at the barbecue <sighs> yeah. that one time. Bilal Nichols.
2: Number one, though, I, I think it is Devin. You think it's Devin? Yeah. Devin was the truth, man. That's Go interesting. last some Bears fans because he holds a special place in our hearts. Like really? It was just like our offense sucked every time he touched yeah. the ball. It was the most Dude, important. Dude, people
0: were talking about him like the MVP that year. They were. <laughs> I remember that. You, shit. You're yeah.
1: forgetting one guy, though. Who am I forgetting? This is the best receiver of all time. Bernard. unequivocally who Allen Robinson hey he Rob he needs to be part of a winning it's, it's not his free, fault free but free like him. we haven't won a playoff game with. This could, could you imagine Allen Robinson's stats if he played his whole career with Drew Brees he he'd be, be he'd be doing what Michael Thomas is doing he's right now similar. he's the best receiver he's of all so... time <laughs> that I've had on my football team
2: probably really I who? love it in my Muhammad, lifetime? Bernard Berrien he's the best that's true Chicago's Brandon Marshall. Mark Bradley.
0: Brandon Marshall for that Brandon one Marshall, year. Alshon. Oh, there
2: you Alshon, go. Yeah. There you go. Alshon, yeah. Young Alshon. Those are the only two that would be in the debate. with. Yeah. Uh,
1: but no, I'm sorry for getting Devin. It's yeah, number right. one, I think. So kick and punt returns. The thing about it, though, punt returns are actually basically the same. It's just the kick return. Yeah, it, the, it, it's, it, the
0: kick return is really. But, I mean, I guess if you think about it, nobody's ever really. It's never really been a thing. It's just been the Devin Hester thing. Yeah, like like, can you think of any other iconic? And the thing about that
1: is that Devin Hester was a better punt returner than kick returner. That's where, but the the way that the kick return has been neutered, and the fact that Cordero has really like he's been the only guy to have like a house calls house calls on the reg, like is it reg or reg on the reg, reg, whatever. On the reg? Yeah, you don't say regular. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> know, but some people, you know, I'm not going to get into the semantical like GIF, argument. GIF. Yeah, exactly. That okay. type of deal. Like, he, he's been the one guy. Um, other than that, I mean, the kick return is basically useless. Yeah. So, we've gotten into a...
0: It should still be like an all-star event. Can we can we at least do that? Where you get like like 12 Roombas with like, I don't know, you know, fucking tackle dummies on them. And they just run at you. and You just try to see who can like, I don't juke know. Juke them out. Yeah, style that. on the most vacuums.
1: Yeah. Right. I just,
0: I miss, I missed Evan Hester. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, shouts out to Naheem Hines because he had two punt return touchdowns in my fantasy football championship that won me the game. Colts defense, DST against the. Yeah, let the, it know, Joseph
0: is a rich man
1: now. No, yeah. yeah. Colts against Panthers. Uh, Joseph I, I won one million dollars. Eleven hundred, but you know, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you all for taking the time to listen. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, I don't even think iTunes is a thing. Apple Podcasts, it's more like it. And uh, we'll be back soon with more sports-related content. Peace, Peace.